we can help anyone to become like a really amazing talent manager if they have the right disposition for it. And when I say that, I mean, they have a very, very keen eye for problem solving. That's a huge one. And the ability to kind of put their own ego on the shelf and find solutions where legitimately everyone feels like they've won. You're listening to the Let's Talk Marketing Podcast, hosted by me, Katya Allison. So what have you gotten yourself into? In short, this is a good time, a great conversation, and a little bit of learning along the way. Through insightful interviews with top marketers and entrepreneurs, as well as thought leaders, I get to explore the latest trends, techniques, and strategies in the world of marketing. I am here to offer you engaging and informative discussions to help you stay up to date on the latest trends and take your marketing skills to the next level. I don't know about you, but I'm ready to chat. Are you ready to listen? In this episode, we are covering hiring the right marketing person with Jess Honeyshin. Jess is one of the co-founders at Shine Talent Group, a talent management agency that represents social superstars. The agency has offices located in Los Angeles, Toronto, and London. And originally from Melbourne, Australia, she has had her career or she began her career in the entertainment PR industry before moving to Toronto in 2014. She then teamed up with her business partner, Emily Ward, to start Shine. And the rest, as they say, is history, my friends. She is ready right now to roll up her sleeves and share her hiring tips and tricks when building a marketing team. So let's do it. Let's talk marketing with Jess. Jess, welcome to the Let's Talk Marketing podcast. I'm excited to have you on here. The topic of conversation today from like a strategy perspective is going to be about hiring the right marketing person, but more specifically, talent agents as well. But I'm going to appreciate any insights that you can bring to the table. So thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yes. Before we dive into this, I'd like to have the audience get to know you a little bit better. So I've got some standard questions for you. Let's hear about where you came from and where you're at. So what was your first marketing role and what is your current role now? My first official marketing role was straight out of school. I was like a ballsy little brat, I suppose. And I thought that I could start an agency as soon as I finished university. So that's what I did. So that was my first kind of official marketing role was Honey PR was my first little baby. And I did that for about three years. I had so much fun doing it. I learned a ton, but I also realized that, you know, it's, it's funny saying this now, right? Because now everyone works from home and freelancing is a lot more common and working remote is a lot more common. It wasn't then, right? So I got to a point where I was like, I only know what I know. And that's not a lot. <laughs> So I made the leap and went into the entertainment industry. I went to school and kind of started my career in Melbourne. And then I found myself in Toronto by like many weird twists of fate, met my current business partner here. And we started what we have now to be Shine Talent Group. So we are a talent management agency. We represent social rock stars in the US, Canada, and the UK. Nice. Now, what is it that you love about what you do? But also conversely, I'm always interested in what you would pluck out Mm -hmm. of what you're currently doing. So first, what do you love about the job that you do? 
they truly are so many things. I feel very thankful that I'm able to do something I do genuinely love. So I think my favorite thing is being able to uncover and see potential in people before they see it themselves. I love doing that. I love saying to someone like, you have something really special here. Let us help you explore that. And I love it when that turns into what we thought it would. I love to do that. I feel like that's the most exciting. And what would I pluck out? So many things. (laughs) Obviously, all the like boring, arduous, behind the scenes, like operations, legal, accounting, payroll, not to say that I'd pluck out all of that. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, that's quite a list. But it's like the admin stuff, right? Yeah, I don't know. I'm like more drawn to the exciting, fun stuff, obviously, who isn't. You know, it's some of the more mundane tasks that are absolutely essential to running a business. And you get to that tipping point often when you're like, when does it make the most sense for me not to do this anymore and to bring in someone who is an expert in it and have them take it over? So we've been through tons of iterations of that over the years. At one point in time, like it just didn't make sense for me to do that anymore. Or like my business partner would do a lot of the HR stuff. And then like, I think we need to bring someone in house to do this, you know? So I think when it gets to a point that we need to pluck them out, it's also a bit of a sign to us that it's probably a point that we need to hire for that role, which is kind of interesting to think about in that way. Well, I also think that it very much so feeds into what we are going to talk about today when it comes to really hiring. And I think that the gauge that you've put on of when it does become a little too arduous, like the owner of a company should not be the one that's sending the invoices. That could be someone's job that could also take on more as well, too. But you do walk that fine balance of when to hire and when to not hire, especially as like a business owner. Yeah, I know that I need someone, but is this the right time? to hire them? And will there be enough? Like, is this a temporary challenge that I am encountering? Or do we really need someone for the like the long haul? And like increase the capabilities of the company if we do hire. Yeah, As you said, like hiring a bookkeeper, they're not purely just chasing up invoices. They're also liaising in our case with the talent and going back and forth. I'm like, yeah, you payment for this one. This is when I expect to hear it. So it takes away different communication as well. So I'm like, where could I reinvest that time into business development or client relations or industry relationships? Where could I put that time and how would that be beneficial for the business if I wasn't looking at invoices all day? Yeah, (laughs) this is very true. Now, how do you engage with social media networks? I'm a big believer that content as a whole is meant to be inspiring, educational, or entertaining. One of these three buckets, I'm sure that there are others. We can discuss that at a later time. But I'm curious, do you leverage social networks for any of those? Do you leverage one particular network for all three of them? Do you go separate? Do you do podcasts? Are you a book reader? Where do you go to get inspired, entertain, and keep educated? Great question. And I, a bit of a mix of all of them. I love like listening to a podcast and walking. So I feel like that kind of bounces between educational and entertainment. I've really actually made a concerted effort over the last couple of years because I felt like I was very drawn 
It's like reading business books and listening to podcasts about the industry or industries that I'm interested in. And it was all very, very educational. And I love that. But I was like, I need to read a book for pleasure. Like recently, I've just read like a bunch of books by Colleen Hoover. And it starts with us and it ends with us and things like that, that I'm like, I think I could just read a book for enjoyment. I feel like I have enough brain capacity to always take on new things. If I'm learning something new, I might have to like give up my childhood memories. <laughs> you can't give up the core memories. You can't do that. Do you find that then diving into books, is that how you open up inspiration or do you go to social networks for inspiration and then entertainment? Yeah, a lover of TikTok. For sure. Again, it is a bit of a balance between educational and just enjoyment. Inspiration too. Like I feel like we see so many things. I'm constantly pinging TikToks to like our social media team being like, oh, this is something really cool. Like we have our next event. We should do something similar to this. This might be fun. So use that a lot for inspiration. But I think TikTok is for me, it has absolutely taken over as my most used app. Yeah. I feel like it has something for everyone, which I think is like so cool. You know, I feel like on Instagram for me anyway, and like the curated amount of people that I follow, I feel like I'm probably just following a lot of people like my age doing similar things to me. I should probably just broaden my horizons, but I love that TikTok is more of that without me having to like follow people to do it. I exclusively am on my For You page. I'm just like scrolling through. I find myself more drawn to like make a TikTok. (laughs) You know, I feel that same way too. I get the bug. I have all of these saved sounds for Lord only knows when I'm going to use them. Then I end up having so much empathy and sympathy for creators as well too, because those are not easy. Even the simplest dance TikTok is like, what? All of a sudden I become the most uncoordinated person on the face of the planet. It's insane. I like have not delved into dance TikTok. I can't do it. (laughs) We'll do that together virtually. See, this will be a thing. Virtual TikTok. I love it. (laughs) Now, how do you stay up to date on just kind of industry trends, especially in the field that you're in? I would imagine you've got to be on top of what's going on with social networks, algorithms, but also just around the industry as well. So how are you staying up to date? Again, the answer to that is TikTok. We see a lot of what creators are doing, what their pain points are, what they're struggling with, what they're drawn to. A lot of that comes to us through TikTok. I try and stay very connected. Women in Influencer Marketing is a fantastic group. I feel like I've met so many people. We obviously connected there. We've met so many people there. Like I do regular chats with tons of agency owners to just like, how are you all feeling about this? What are you thinking in terms of this? Are you noticing a change here? How is your Q1? We talk about that kind of thing so openly. And I think I feel, again, really thankful that I've been able to cultivate those relationships because while some people could look at him like, oh, you're competitors, and we are in a very basic sense, but I think we all have very similar mindsets in that like, we want this industry to do well. We want this industry to be taken seriously my best interest if all of the other agencies do super well. Yeah. I don't want to see any 
your agency fail, I feel like we can like collectively raise the bar, like standardization and trends and things like that within the industry. So I lean on other founders for sure when things come up and I'm, I'll often be like, have you dealt with this before? And we've been around for a while. So I also have a lot of people say similar things to me. I'm such an open book with that kind of thing. And I feel like, well, if I'm an open book now, you'll probably be an open book for me later. Building rapport and trust, I think is so important. So yeah, I think I look to like other industry experts for that kind of thing too. I feel like that's so smart. And again, another shout out to Wim. We've been shouting out Wim in every episode I've recorded so far, but the group is one where you can really tap into like a good group of people. And I actually think that this is a good segue for what we're here to talk about, which is hiring that right marketing person. Because at the end of the day, we're all people. And one of the things that you had said was, yeah, they could be considered competition, but also we're all marching towards the same thing. We do want equity across the board. So it's more about the person, but finding that right person is the tougher part. I always say there is no secret sauce. You are the secret sauce. Everybody's different. Every brand is different. Where you're at is different. Your budgets are different. So there's no copy and paste. There's really only inspiration all the way around you. I'd love to hear from your point of view, what are some challenges when you're hiring for your marketing team? I'll say that I'll almost lump the majority of our team into that kind of marketing category. So we have talent management team and then there's like operations and finance. So on the talent management side, you're right, it's hard and there's no magic formula for it. And I know internally, we end up saying when we interview people, we're like, oh, they were so shiny. And they're like, what is that though? And we're like, just, you know, like, it's like, it's very, very hard to like quantify. And I think these roles in talent management are exceptionally hard to hire for. Shine has been around for eight and a half, give or take years. And at the first half of that, for sure, you couldn't hire a talent manager because no one had done talent management before. This was such a new industry. So that was really difficult. So we'd hire people more from PR backgrounds that wanted to make a change and do something a little bit different. So that for sure has changed now. And you can get people with influencer talent management experience, which is amazing. And I think what we've learned over the years that we can help anyone to become like a really amazing talent manager. I really believe that if they have the right disposition for it. And when I say that, I mean, they have a very, very keen eye for problem solving. That's a huge one. And the ability to kind of put their own ego on the shelf a hundred percent and be able to like find solutions where legitimately, not as like a bit of a cop-out, but legitimately like everyone feels like they've won. And not even just a feeling like it hasn't happened, but everyone has won. Everyone has kind of gotten what they've wanted or needed at the end of whatever issue they're dealing with that day. So I think that people who are able to like in a very innate way do that have a lot of success with us. But our training process, which we really honed over the pandemic, because before that, our training consisted of sit next to me for two weeks and watch what do. Absorb. Be a sponge. Via osmosis, like be in my mind. That's how we trained people, truly. And we were all of a sudden thrust into this position where we could not do that anymore. We had to hire people without meeting them. We had to train people without meeting them. I remember when I met 
one of our team members in real life, Caitlin, who we'd hired right before the pandemic, right before. And she was like moving from Chicago to LA. So we kind of missed each other. And then it was like a year and a half later that I could like go back to LA. I'd spoken to her by then a thousand times on the phone and text. I was like, nice to meet you. This is so weird. And so many companies dealt with that. But that for us, it became what was like a huge opportunity for us to really look at how we onboarded and trained people and had them feel like they were a part of Shine and a part of the culture of Shine without ever meeting anyone in person. That was a challenge, but I think something that has now become such a part of who we are. And we ask for feedback on that all the time from team members. And they were like, my gosh, I felt so integrated right away. And I felt like I knew who to go to and I knew lots of different people on the team. And I like felt really welcome. And even just in like very tiny things, we didn't want to lose the heart of Shine and how we would welcome people. We make sure we send someone a coffee. We can't do it in person, but we still want them to have that feeling. Yeah. It's so thoughtful. And I think it's really key, especially in this work from home world. I know there's a lot of people that are going back to hybrid and all of that stuff. But I also think it's a couple of buckets. One, it's finding the right talent and hiring the right talent. And then what happens? So when you do hire that talent, and you want to keep them. So to me, there are two buckets. If we can take a step back and look at the hiring for the roles that you have, from a marketing perspective. And I say marketing because I think regardless of whether you're a talent manager or doing growth or running a community or running an influence marketing program, I think you have to have a unique personality. To your point, you do kind of have to put your ego on the shelf. You also have to be creative and a good collaborator and a good communicator. How are you going to suss those things out in like, Although I've been on a lot of interviews, you can't do 10 interviews to really figure out how you suss it out. I would assume that at this point, because you are looking for talent managers, that's very specific to the type of personality that is going to excel in that position. Do you have some fun questions or maybe not even fun questions? Maybe they are standard questions to help you kind of get to the point where maybe they are shiny and they just haven't shined yet. If that makes any sense in the interview. So we have certainly like a process. First and foremost, everyone will do the first interview with our office manager, Patra. Can you do this job? Very basic. Can you have a good conversation? What kind of questions are you asking? Let us give you a bunch of information about the role and shine and, and what all of that looks like. Yeah. It depends on the role somewhat. But one to two more interviews after that where I think those interviews are personality interviews, usually with two different levels of people on the team. It might be with our managing director, and then it might be with someone in the talent management team. And I find it's really interesting to see how people can be a little different. I don't do none of the interviewing at Shine anymore, but every now and then I jump in and I love interviewing people. So like I was in the UK and we need to hire a couple of people there. And I was like, well, I'm here. Let me do them in person. I love doing that. Oh, it's a total different energy. Oh my gosh. I love it. I only want to interview people in person now. (laughs) How do you come into the room? How do you engage with the person asking if you want a coffee? You just, yeah, you get into that energy. 
you know, I've hired a lot of just different marketing roles and you are really trying to get to the personality because there are transferable skills. And I don't know what your thoughts are on what skills are transferable. So let's say I've never done talent management before. Does that mean that I shouldn't even apply for something like that? I feel like that's the same in any sort of marketing role. You tend to be like generalist until you get specific, but then you also have to tee yourself up to these brands and these companies so that they can see like, hey, this is my hidden value. So what are the skills you look for versus what they have on their resume specifically as far as title? What are those key skills that you look for? And you're right. I feel like because this is a newer industry, we can't exclusively hire people who have done digital talent management before. So I think Absolutely. The skills are very transferable. If someone's worked brand side and they've been the person hiring influence, that's super interesting to me because you have a really unique perspective from the brand side. Like, What have you looked for in talent? How do you want the brand side to be communicated with? That is something that I'm like, please come in, tell the rest of our team when you were in that position, what information did you want so that then our talent managers can anticipate what the next question is and give that information ahead of time. That to me, so beneficial to the company in a really different way, right? So I think that certainly like lots of skills are transferable. It's looking at a resume and seeing what have your past couple of jobs been? How long have you been there? And that's not to say that if you've been there a short time, that's a flag. I think that's a really good thing because to me, it can sometimes just be like, you haven't found your home yet. You haven't found your place. And to me, I'd rather see the confidence in someone of being like, this is not for me. I'm making a change. I think that's admirable rather than looking at it. Oh my gosh, someone's like bounced around a lot, especially more junior team members, like coming into the industry. If something's not working for you, don't feel like you have to stay. That's like a really solid piece of advice. Move on and find what does work for you, right? So I'm looking at what the brands are that they've worked with or what kind of industries that they've been in. We deal like, predominantly in consumer lifestyle. So if someone has a background in a different role, but in that space, we like to look at, was someone like the head of their sports team or were they the head of their sorority? Not that you have to have been in a sorority, but you know what I mean? Do they have natural leadership skills? And not everyone have that, but it's interesting when they do. Do they have like fun hobbies outside of work? What else do they like to do? But we do have the vast majority of people in our talent management space do an assignment where if you could represent anyone in the space, who would you represent? What kind of content pillars are you interested in? Where do you think there's opportunity? What do you think their content pillars are? Are there other ones? What kind of brands would you pitch them to? And that is always interesting for us because... If someone's like, oh, I'd pitch them to these three brands, you know, brands have reputations in industries. I'm like, oh, I know that's a brand that straight up refuse to pay influencers. They just don't pay talent. Yeah. Then I'm like, ooh, it's not to say that it would discount someone from a role. Yeah. It really guides our training. And it's like, okay, so you're probably not aware as much of which brands have budget and which don't. That's where we'll probably have to put a little bit more training there if we think they're a great fit for the team. So I feel like we look at that assignment and we look at like, how do you communicate with brands? Are you short and sweet and to the point and direct? Or are you lots of fluff? We have people on the team who do both. 
neither one is the correct answer, but it's kind of like, will this work? Do we think this will generate really great results for the talent? Well, and I think it also depends on the personality. I mean, I think that we all have people like that in our lives or have worked with people who seemingly could get away with things that either you yourself couldn't or couldn't see anybody else getting away with. And not in like a negative way, but, you know, there's that person that can call a spade a spade in front of everybody and have that be well received. And then there's the person that is going to hold back a little bit. I think one of the things that is very consistent across the creator economy in general, but also in any sort of marketing role is relationships. I think relationships are so key, but that's hard to suss out. I don't know if you feel the same way about how important relationships are to be a good marketer or even a good talent agent. Do you share that opinion for one? I do. Yeah. Perfect. Then for two, what do you do to try to get to the core of who are you a relationship builder or are you just someone that's never going to step up? And I don't think it's as easy as saying someone's an extrovert or an introvert either, because I don't buy into that at all. But some people are relationship builders. So how do you suss that out? I agree. Those things and never found out with like direct questions about it, because who's going to say that? I hate relationship Obviously, no one's going to say that. So I feel like we try and find more subtle ways to go about it. I love to understand what kind of relationships people have with the people they've worked with in the past or have they taken the time to foster those. I can say at Shine, the number of people who have worked at Shine and no longer work at Shine for whatever reason, perhaps decided together that it wasn't the right fit. Perhaps we let them go. Perhaps they left. It happens. The amount of people who over the eight years have left and I personally have fantastic relationships with and could call them or they could call me and be like, I've had past team members call me and be like, I'm really struggling with this new job. I don't know what to do. What do you think I should do here? I've been like, okay, talk me through it. I feel like people to me who have done that and made like such an effort to do that, that's so smart because you just never know where people end up. Most of them go and like, they're like, I want to try working brand side. Great. Please go work for a brand that we work with all the time. That'd be great for us. We end up working with them in like a different capacity. And I think you just never know when you're going to be in that situation. You're right. It's really hard to find that out over an interview. But I think trying to ask some questions around how have you built relationships in the past, asking questions about like what is important to them in a role and seeing if relationships is high up on that list. Yeah, I feel like that's a good workaround. I also just to kind of sum that all up, I'd say don't burn bridges. Don't burn bridges. The top dog one day may not always be the top dog. And that's really important to know. And But what people always walk away with, regardless, is how they were treated by someone. So you're right. Being open to having relationships, continuing the conversation, being of service almost to people, it pays back in dividends without not doing it with it paying back in dividends, but knowing that the whole world will come back to it. Karma, whatever you believe in, the whole nine yards. I appreciate you spending so much time with me. I do have one more final question for you. If you knew then what you know now, what is the marketing advice that you give to yourself? I think with marketing, and perhaps this is advice that kind of goes with any career, I think following what 
excites you, especially in marketing, it just makes a job so much easier. Like it's really, really easy to sell something that you're excited by. And I had the absolute luxury of being able to do that through the vast majority of my career. And I've made really thoughtful decisions based on that. Like I wanted to do things that were fun. I didn't want to be in an industry that for me was like dull and boring. That wasn't for me. I moved right when I was 26 or seven ish. At that point in my life, moving was like, I want to work in an industry that I have some friends. I was in my mid twenties. I'd moved to a new country. I want to be amongst people my age. Just understanding and taking a lot of time to think about like what is really important to you. And for me, it's fun and flexibility. They're my two things. Yeah. I'm from Australia. My whole family's there. I need to be able to go home. I need to be able to do that for longer than a long weekend. So I've always been very much guided by those two things. And everyone's a different, right? The things that are important might be boundaries. They might be finances. They might be the projects that you work on or the impact that you can have on a community. There's so many different things. And I think if you take the time to really figure out what they are, then you know the jobs that you're applying for. When you're in the interview process, you're like, this isn't laddering up to that. I'm not going to follow that. That's my very long-winded advice. But before you can do that, you have to know what it is. So I think it's like time to do that before even delving into going and getting those jobs. Absolutely. So chase the joy that you're looking for, but also make that list of what your non-negotiables are. And also don't be afraid to reevaluate your non-negotiables because to your point, you hit different stages. In your 20s is very different than being in your 40s. What's important to me now is night and day of what was important to me in my 20s. So that's really great advice. I just want to thank you for coming on here. I kept you way longer than I intended. So I apologize, but I can't help it if we're good conversationalists. I can't help that. So thank you so much. Of course, it was my pleasure. I love getting down to the nuts and bolts of what it really takes or what you look for or how challenging it is to hire and grow your marketing team. So I had a, a really good time in this episode. Here are your key takeaways from the show. So number one, hiring for talent management and marketing roles can really be exceptionally hard, but it is also possible to find great talent with the right kind of disposition. And what I'm talking about are things like a keen eye for problem solving, as well as the ability to put their ego aside. Ego is huge, my friends. You need to be able to put it aside and work together. Now, once hired, the training and onboarding process is also just as important and one would say crucial. You have to be able to integrate new hires into the company culture. That has been something that has been challenging for many. The team at Shine has certainly felt it with the post-pandemic remote working? How do we make people feel like they are part of the community? Now, despite the challenges, it's really the small gestures that Jess talks about and seemingly insignificant things that can really make a big difference in making a new hire feel welcomed and part of the team. Number two, when hiring for a position, like a talent manager, for example, a candidate's personality is really important. I would actually even venture to say anyone in marketing their personality makes a difference. And that's not really always easy to assess during the interview process. There are different levels of interviews and questions asked outside of the traditional ones, like how a candidate engages with people. That can really help shed some light to their personality. 
but also having transferable skills. So it's personality and having those transferable skills is what you should really be looking out for. And just thinks that having a unique perspective also can be incredibly valuable to a company. So things to look for. Lastly, number three, the importance of building and maintaining relationships in the marketing world, especially talent agency, is crucial. You need to foster connections with past team members, colleagues, as they may end up being important to you in the future. So basically, don't burn bridges. There are negative consequences to that. This may seem like a really big world, but it's actually quite small when you are in a specific industry. Now, while it can be a challenge to determine if someone is a relationship builder during an interview, asking about their past relationships or how they build partnerships with other internal and external teams could be a way to help you suss that out. Ultimately, treating people well and being open to continuing conversations is essential for building and maintaining strong relationships. Now, I would love to hear what nuggets of insights you walked away with from today's episode. So subscribe and follow on LinkedIn, YouTube, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. A special thank you to my podcast producers, content allies. I'm obsessed with them. So ask me more. Shoot me over a DM. Check out the episode page to learn a little bit more about Jess or learn how to get into contact with me. Thank you so much for spending time with me today. Until next time, may the conversation flow, the laughter linger, and the outlook remain optimistic, but grounded in reality. This is Katya signing off. 